You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. We're coming down the home stretch of this sermon series titled Home Stretch through the the uh, letter to the Hebrews that we find in the New Testament. We've been doing that this summer. And I invite you, if you have a Bible or if you have a digital version or a hard copy, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at that today together. Um, If you have the Riverside app, uh, you can also turn there. The notes are in there on the live tab. Feel free to take a look at that and follow along if you want to do that. And I appreciate, as we look at this, your attention to the scriptures today. As I see that bumper video, I... I'm always inspired. I I wish that I was a runner. I'm not a runner. I try every now and then. I can get out and do it uh, in spurts. But uh, there's never a time that I'm not out there running and I'm thinking, oh, I want to quit. Right? I, I, I like this. I know it's good for me. I know I feel good afterwards. But boy, it would be a whole lot easier to just stop right now and catch my breath. I might see an intersection, I say, well, don't stop until you get there, and how many times between here and there do I say, stop, stop, stop? I feel like I can't go on any farther, and maybe if I get there, I think, oh, well, you can make it to the next one, and you make it to the next block, but that's how it is with me. I don't know about you, how many of you ever try to run, and you feel like it's easier to quit than to keep running? How many of you in life feel like sometimes it's easier to quit than to keep going? This running metaphor, this marathon, as the scripture uses, is a metaphor for life. And I do believe that sometimes life's challenges are so hard, you find that it would be easier just to give up and quit. And living a life fully dedicated to Jesus isn't a sprint. It is a long marathon. And sometimes this marathon is an uphill climb. And sometimes there are headwinds that are facing against us. And sometimes it is 90 degrees and 100% humidity outside in this life that we are running a race. In fact, Jesus told us that it was going to be that way, so we shouldn't be surprised. He did say that in this life, you will have trouble. And when our troubles seem insurmountable and, and when you're tempted to quit and, 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 and when you know that you shouldn't, what do you do? How do you keep putting one foot in front of the other? How do you keep going down when it seems a whole lot easier to just throw in the towel and quit? Hebrews 10 and 11 speak to this in a great way, and chapter 12. But that's what this whole book is about. It's written to people who are thinking about quitting following Jesus. It's written to people who are saying, I don't know if I can do this. I'm not sure if I'm cut out for this. I think I would rather go back to my old life. I think I would rather go back to the way it was before I knew Jesus. And so he's writing to these people and encouraging them to not quit, to not give up. And you know what? This scripture, I, I speak to you today not as a theorist, Not as somebody who says, well, I will interpret the scripture and tell you what it's like from my vantage point. I want to speak to you today about this because this scripture is what got me through when I almost quit. And and you know what? At that point in my life when I almost quit, if I had quit, you wouldn't be sitting here today. No, you'd be sitting somewhere else and hopefully you'd be serving God, but you wouldn't be here in this place today if I had quit because there were times when we got this church started where I almost quit threw in the towel and quit. 
And it was these verses right here that kept me going. And so I speak to you as one who can, can say, beyond the shadow of a doubt, faith works. Faith works. And this is what this is all about. Now, what happened was when we began this, this ministry, this, this church, we had moved to Pittsburgh. I was on staff at a church up in State College, loving the college town, loving Penn State, loving, forgive me for that if you're a Pitt fan, but loving all of that, and or a Carnegie Mellon person. But, but, uh, but, but let me just say this. As I came here and I began, you know, we had a great ministry up there. We loved it. Everybody, nothing wrong. We just felt God nudging us out of the nest. And there were a couple dozen people that had been meeting in Penn Hills for a couple of years, meeting in Masonic Hall, when we felt like this was the open door that we were supposed to walk through. And I thought, yeah, hey, we're going to come. Bill Ellis is on the scene. Everybody's going to hear about it, and they're just going to show up. <laughs> With the four of my family added to the couple dozen or 26 people, the first month we were there, we had an average attendance of 30 people. After a year of preaching hard, knocking on doors, advertising, doing everything we could, we had 31 people. And I thought, what did I do? Why did I give up that nice salary that I had? Why did I give up living in that free parsonage that I was living in? Why did I give up being in a community that was so easy and fun and enjoyable and beautiful? Why did I do that? And I was ready to quit when I read this passage. I said, I can't quit now. One year went by, two years went by, slowly we grew. We got to share space with the Lutheran Church up on Hamill Road, an older congregation. We got a good core group of people there but it was still not going to go where I thought it should have gone, and I was ready to quit, ready to quit. And I read this passage. Let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to start at the end of the chapter, and then I'll back up, and we'll get back to this. But Hebrews chapter 10. This is what really spoke to me whenever I was at that point when I thought, I can't do it any longer. I read this, and I thought, okay, here's a scripture. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised for and he quotes the Hebrew scriptures here. In just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. But to those who have faith and are saved. Am I going to be one of those who shrinks back? Or am I going to have faith and move forward? Did everything turn around right away after I read this? No. It was a good five years, and I was ready to throw in the towel, and then all of a sudden, this place in Oakmont opened up. Did I regain all the money that I lost or could have had if I hadn't done that, and yada, yada? Can I look back and say, oh, boy, life would have been a whole lot easier? Sure, I could. But you know what? I might have lost a lot, but I have gained so much more than I ever would have had if I didn't take that step of faith and if I didn't continue to persevere. And I'm not bragging on me because I almost quit. And I would have had this opportunity not opened up, to be honest with you. But here's the thing. Living by faith isn't always fun. 
In fact, if it was always fun, you wouldn't need faith, would you? Right? If living for Jesus was a cakewalk, you wouldn't need faith. If your life was easy and you had everything you needed in the bank and you had all your health and you had everybody around you that fed your ego and did everything you wanted for, you wouldn't need faith. Faith kicks in when failure isn't an option and you feel like giving up. So, so I wanna pray and I wanna pray for those of you who are here today who are facing those headwinds of opposition in life. Or maybe it's the scorching heat of, of stress in the job or in life that's coming down against you or maybe you're just feeling faint from weariness and you need some courage today. You need encouragement today. You need some confidence to persevere. And so I wanna, I wanna pray because we have a choice. We can be quitters and shrink back and lose out on what God has or we can be people of faith and we can press on. And I wanna pray because I know that you can't do it on your own. I know you can't and I couldn't and I still can't. So would you bow your heads with me real quickly? And I'm just wondering if already you're sensing God speaking to you and you know that, man, I know I, I need some encouragement. I need faith today. I need another infusion of faith and encouragement and courage to persevere. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? All over the place, all over the place. Jesus, you see our hands and we confess today. We come to you and we say, help us. We're weary. We hear that voice in our head that tells us to just stop, give up, quit. It's too hard. You can't do it. Go back to the old way. Go back to the old life. But God, we know that that's not an option. Help us, I pray. Help us to stick with it. Give us your encouragement through your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 So you know that you can't go back. Faith is what kicks in when failure isn't an option. And that's what the writer in Hebrews 10 is telling us. And it's because of Jesus that we can have confidence to move forward. And here's the thing. The first thing I want you to grab from this today is we persevere because Jesus brings God close. Jesus brings God near. Look at chapter 10, verse 19. Verse 19, the writer says, Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now, you might be looking at this with fresh eyes and say, what on earth is he referring to? Because he's using some imagery that his hearers would fully be aware of, but we might not be so understanding in our culture today because he's using things that are unfamiliar to us. But let me just say what he's gonna say and then I'll explain it to you. He's not saying that Jesus shows us the way to God. He's not saying that Jesus just provides the way to God. He's showing us the fact that Jesus is the way and he takes us there with him. And when we can't get there on our own, he carries us. And when life gets too hard and life gets too rough and you feel like quitting, I want you to know Jesus will carry you to the presence of God. 
And he is there for you, bringing you near to God. Now, he's using this imagery about the, the temple and about the, the Old Testament imagery of the tabernacle. And, and in the minds of, uh, of, of his Jewish readers, they have this concept that a temple is a place where God reigns and God rules. It's the house of God where the presence of God is. And in the temple, there is this place that is the innermost sanctuary of the temple. It is called the Holy of Holies. And this place is where God's presence reigns and rules and the cosmos is run out of this place because it's the temple of God. So, so this Holy of Holies is so sacred that it can only be entered into once a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And there's only one person that can enter into that place. And that is the high priest who enters in on behalf of the people. But that high priest can't go in there without having made sure that he is sprinkled and clean of all the guilt and, and, and sin in his life. So he has to provide all these ritual sacrifices and these religious rites to make sure that he will not be struck dead when he gets into the presence of this holy God that's too other than and too above and beyond and too, too fearful for us to get close to. And so he goes into the place after having purified himself But just to make sure, he has a little bell on his clothing that rings so the people outside will know that he's moving around. And if he stops moving around, they know that God strikes him dead. So just in case God strikes him dead, there is a rope tied around his ankle so that they can pull him out because nobody wants to get that close to God. What he's saying here is Jesus makes it possible for all of us to get close to God because God is not a God to be feared any longer. Jesus made God a God who wants to get close to you. And when you give up and when you're in that place where you feel like you can't go any farther, when everybody else has abandoned you, when nobody else is there for you, God, through Jesus Christ, is carrying you along the way. He will take you where you think you cannot go and he will give you the means to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish by virtue of what Jesus has done for you. When the winds are blowing against you, when the heat is on, when you're feeling faint, Jesus brings God close. And he's praying for you. So draw near to God with a glad and sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings. Because Jesus made it possible for you. You can do it. You can do it. Why? Because Jesus brings God close to you. So not only that, we persevere And this is where we talked about in the past, we're going to talk about it next week, but we persevere because Jesus gives us hope. Look at what it says in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The writer brings us back to what he said earlier in chapter 6, and we spoke on this several weeks ago, that, that, that hope is the anchor for our souls. And what is it, hope in hope? No, it's hope in Jesus. 
Hope is an anchor for our souls. And faith and hope are inseparable. They're, they're really two sides of the same coin. They go together. In fact, next week we'll be talking about that great chapter 11 where it says that, that, that faith is the confidence in things that we hope for and the assurance of things that we don't see. So faith and hope go hand in hand. So what he's saying here is that when everything else is falling apart, hold on to Jesus. He's your hope. He's your anchor. He's not going to let go of you. The one who knows you best and loves you most will be there when no one else is. Don't give up on him. Don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on God because God is with you. God is with you. So we can have courage and confidence to persevere because Jesus brings God near because we have this hope that's an anchor. It's sure, it's steady. It keeps us stable when the winds and the waves are blowing and beating against us. We know that we have Jesus. We don't have to worry about that. But we persevere, not only because of all that, we persevere because we're part of the body. We're part of one another. And in this race of life that's following Jesus, it is so much easier when you're running along with other people than when you're running on your own. In fact, the, 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 the truth is uh, when you're out, when you're running in real life, you're running with others, you will be able to run easier and farther than you will when you're running on your own because you have a group of people to help spur you on. And, and that's what the body of Christ is all about. We can run further and faster and longer because we are in this thing called the community of faith. Notice what it says in verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we're, we're really on the same team together. We're part of the same team. And we're better when we are working together, pacing each other, helping to stir up and spur one another on, to stimulate and encourage one another, to motivate, to help watch over one another and care for one another. When one falls, the others pick them up. And we are here to, to be kind and help one another, to comfort one another when the going gets tough and, and to help each other be the best that we can be. We do this in humility with one another. And you know what? This is really what this is all about, this place that we call Riverside, this RCC. It's really what we're all about. Three things. If you don't know by now, let me just remind you. We are here to do three things and three things only. Number one, we are here to revere God, to come into the presence of God, to, to experience this, this relationship with God, to spur one another on for this, this, this upward relationship with the one who is most important in our lives. We come here to worship. We come here to learn. We come here to grow in our faith, to be what it followers, to help find and follow Jesus. That's what we're all about. That's, we're here to revere God, number one. And we're here, number CC, RCC, we're here to connect with one another in community. We need one another. On this marathon of life, on this race of life, we are all in this together. And you know what? None of us is going to get out of here alive. And so we need one another because we face that together. And all of us are going to help each other as we get through this life. And we're here to contribute. We're here to give. We're here to contribute to the world around us, to make the world a better place. Three things, that's all what we're about. But we need each other to do that. And, and you can have confidence and courage to persevere because you're not alone in this. 
I was reading a blog this week about how is the smartphone ruining church as we know it. And the idea there is, you know, I don't need the message. I can get it on. I can download it on my podcast. I don't need to be in church. I can hear music the way I want it and the volume I want it and the style I want it, however I want it, wherever I'm at. I can go to church when I'm out for a jog. I don't need to be with, uh, I don't need to be in church any longer. And is that ruining church? And many people are skipping out because they think that that's a great option. But I want you to know one of the things you can't download is community. You can't download relationships. You can't download the fact that when you're in a rut, who's going to be there to pick you up? You can't download the fact that when somebody else is in a rut, you have the privilege and the opportunity to help pick them up. You can't download face-to-face interaction. You can't download the presence that we find when we're gathered together in his name. You just can't download that. You can't download the the Holy Spirit's invitation to respond to what the Word says to you in a community gathering like that. You just can't download that. We are here for each other, so don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, all the more as you see the day approaching. So what is the day? Let's talk about that. All the more as you see the day approaching. When you see the word the day in scripture, it sounds ominous, doesn't it? And it is ominous as you read about it because you think about the day. What's the day? It's that day that we all know is gonna come eventually, right? It's that day when the world's gonna come to an end or we're gonna come to an end. It's that day, the day. And people say, well, You know, Jesus hasn't come back for 2,000 years. I don't think he's going to come back. I'm okay. Well, he might not come back, but you may go. (laughs) And that's the day for you. (laughs) And in order to be prepared for the day, we need each other. We need each other. In in the pattern of uh, of this letter, he usually starts with this this Old Testament scripture, this Hebrew scripture, and then he begins to to formulate this. It's like, this is what it was like in, in, in the Old Testament before Christ. This was what the angels could do. This is what Moses was doing. This is what priests were doing, but Jesus is better. So he's comparing the old with the new. Jesus is better. Jesus is the best. So why settle for whatever is less? And then he talks to them about, and every, it's like this pattern. Scripture, Jesus is better. And then there's this warning of not following Jesus, of what goes on. And he uses this. And there's a pretty stark one here in chapter 10, verse 26. He says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. That's the day. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses did without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge and I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of a living God feel like Jonathan Edwards in that famous Puritan message, sinners in the hands of an angry God, dangling them, what is keeping them from falling into the fiery pit? The flames are spurting up, and, but the whole message really is a message on it is God that is keeping us 
from that. It is the grace of God that sustains us, that helps us. I know a lot of people don't like to talk about hell these days. Is there a literal hell? Is it just a metaphor for whatever? I don't know. It appears to me pretty real if you read that at face value. But the fact of the matter is, the point of that isn't scaring you out of hell. It's saying, here's the thing. Jesus is the sacrifice that sets us free from the hell of our own making or the hell of whatever is awaiting us. Jesus sets us free from that. So why don't we give in to Jesus and follow him and not give up following Jesus and go back to the old life. Don't go back to the way you were. It's not going to be better. I know nostalgia makes you think that life is better before you knew Jesus, but I want you to know that in some ways maybe it was easier, but I also want you to know that you came to Jesus for a reason because you knew that you needed a Savior because you weren't your own. And we all need a Savior. We all need Jesus. And so we persevere because Jesus is, uh, because we don't have to fear the end. For those of you, and he goes on and he always says, but, but that's not you. He goes on, he says, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. Going back to the scripture that we opened up with, we persevere because God is faithful, not because we're so perfect, not because we're so faithful. We persevere because God is faithful. We hold on to Jesus who's holding on to us and his grip is stronger than ours. And so when you let go, he's holding on to you. He's holding on to you. I've looked back many times when I sense God's spirit telling me to stick it out and not give up. And I come back to this. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. We're not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we're those who have faith and are saved. I, I, I was ready to throw in the towel. And then I, 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 I said, no, let's just see. Let's keep going. And then God opened the door and we were able to come here to Oakmont and God has just continued to bless over all these years. And I don't say that in any way to brag because I was ready to throw in the towel. I almost quit. And if that door hadn't opened up, I probably would have. No, I would have gone to other ministry. I wouldn't have given up on God, but, but I would have given up on this dream that I felt God had. You know, the people who inspire me most are people who persevere through trials. Aren't they? I'm not inspired by the person who had a life of ease. I'm not inspired by the person who never had problems. I'm not inspired by the person who... Who, who tells you that you follow Jesus and life's a bowl of cherries and you get everything you want and ask for if you just have enough faith. I'm not inspired by those people. I'm inspired by the people who lost it all and kept believing. I'm inspired by the people who faced obstacles and kept moving forward. I'm inspired by the people who realized, like the people of Scripture, we're going to talk about next week in chapter 11, that life wasn't good for them, but they never quit and they never gave up. And I'm inspired by the people who never give up. I mean, think about it. What would life have been like? What what would, have been, what would have happened if Martin Luther King Jr. had in that Birmingham jail when he was arrested written a letter of resignation rather than a letter of, uh, which is uh, a manifesto on peaceful resistance? What would have happened had he not done that? He said, I quit, I give up. Imagine Jimmy Valviano, many of you know Jimmy V, who uh, a great uh, coach, a great inspirer who had, before he had succumbed to cancer, 
was given the Arthur Ashe Award at the ESPYs and he got up days before he died and he made this inspiring speech. What if he would have gone up and said, well, folks, it's over, I quit, I throw in the towel. No, he said, never give up, don't give up, don't ever, ever give up. What if Winston Churchill had said in his famous speech toward the beginning of World War II, you know, if things get too difficult, what if he would have said, um, we're just going to call it in. You better start learning German now. What if he would have said that? No, he said, never give in, never give in, never, never, never in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in. And they didn't give in. Imagine if Paul and Silas, when they were arrested and thrown in jail, Philippi had said, well, I'm not doing this anymore. What if Peter had gotten up on the day of Pentecost and said, I'm afraid of public speaking. I better not say anything. What if Jesus in the garden had said, you know, God, this cup is just too much for me. Take it away. Faith kicks in when failure isn't an option. And you're facing difficulty and discouragement, and depression, and pain, and sorrow. And you feel like throwing in the towel. And I'm here to say today, don't give up. Persevere. You can do it. God is near. You have hope. Don't have to be afraid of the end. God is faithful. So what is it? What is it? Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, you saw our hands earlier when we raised them. And again, I ask for those of you that are facing those headwinds, the scorching heat of stress. You're feeling faint from weariness. Opposition has come at you. I want to pray for courage. I want to pray for confidence. I want to pray for perseverance. And I know that you say, I can't do it, but I want you to begin to say, with Jesus, I can. With Jesus, I can. With Jesus, I can. God is with me. God is near. I'm not afraid of the end. Whatever happens, the end has no power over me. I'm not going to stop. If that's you this morning, you're saying, Pastor, that's me, I need that. I need to say that. Just raise your hand back up. Just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me, that's me, that's me. I need that. I need that. Jesus, you see our hands, and we confess we need you to give us another infusion of faith because we feel like it's easier to quit. And it might be in some ways, but in the long run, we will miss out on so much. So God, give us the faith to keep going forward. Give us the faith to move forward. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.